Come on, let's give dads a big hand on Father's Day. That is awesome. Can we also give a warm welcome to our Branchville facility guys? Good morning, gentlemen. Now, let me say this. I know that Father's Day can be a tough day for those in our Branchville facility campus, but I want to assure them that they have a church that loves them, supports them, and it's never too late, no matter the situation, to be an amazing dad. Can we give them the encouragement and let them know that we're behind them? I'm going to be there Tuesday night sharing this message with, with them. If you're a guest here with us, man, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. There's a card in front of you that says guest info. Scan that, fill it out. If you want to let us know you're here, if you never want anybody to know that you're here, don't fill it out. Uh, you know, it won't, it won't hurt our feelings any. But July 2nd is just in a few weeks. And uh, years ago when we were planning this building, we always wanted to have a huge outreach on the 4th of July for our city. And so it took a lot of planning. We had to build a special lake just to be able to hold this event and all this stuff. But we're finally here. We finally get to do it. It's an outreach, got air rides, uh, food trucks, a belly flop contest, all kinds of things, you know, water balloons to throw at your kids and vice versa. Okay, I will not be in the belly flop contest. I'll be the one saving people, okay, who drowned in our lake. But we don't want you to miss us. And we have one of the largest fireworks displays in the city. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, we're beating the city of Evansville by two days celebrating early. Okay, so uh, invite your friends. It's going to be awesome. Now, remember, uh, ladies, it is not too late to get dads what they really want for Father's Day. Okay, they do not want a card. They do not want a present. They do not want your lunch. They want to practice being a dad again. Okay, what made them a dad to begin with? You don't need to wrap it. Just, just be a part of it. If you don't know what that means, don't ask your parents. They're already mad at me for saying it. I want to tell you a little bit about my dad. When I was growing up, my dad uh, grew up during the Vietnam War time, and my dad wanted to join uh, the war effort. He wanted to be part of the military, and my dad was a mechanic, uh, an aircraft mechanic by trade. He could fix anything from small planes to large planes, and uh, he didn't find out till he went to join the service that uh, apparently my dad cannot see more than three feet in front of him. And so he was turned down and very sad by this, but he wanted to fight. He was a natural fighter. He, I don't know that he was a gifted fighter, but he was a fighter, and my dad loved football. Okay, uh, the Miami Dolphins were good back in the 70s. We have struggled since then, but that's where I get my love of the Dolphins. My dad also loved, because he was from Argentina, he loved soccer. And back in his day, Maradona was the best soccer player in the world. And now that uh, Argentinians have risen to the top again, and now Messi's the best player in the world again. And so my dad would have been very proud. My dad also hated cats. Okay, my dad would go out of his way. If there was a cat out on the street, he would pull over just to chase the cat back to where it belonged in the jungle. My father also loved to tell inappropriate jokes. Okay, he never changed the jokes based on the audience in front of him. Okay, so it came out just the way he heard it and uh, you learned a lot by uh, telling him. So today, what I wanna spend some time talking to you about okay, is called the father's wound. Now, I want you to know that this message does not just apply to fathers. 
I know that there are many ladies in here that you are pulling dual shifts, that you're not only mom, but you're also father. Can we give a hand to those ladies who are doing an amazing job doing that? Now, this turn the father's wound was made popular by a book by John Eldridge called Wild at Heart. And I want to read you this excerpt. And it says this, every boy in his journey to become a man takes an arrow in the center of his heart, in the place of his strength. Because of this wound is rarely discussed and even more rarely healed, every man carries this wound. And this wound is almost always given by the Father. Now, I'm not here to bash dads on Father's Day. That's not what this is about. This message is entitled, What Every Warrior Needs to Hear. Now, uh, I want you to understand this, that dads are not the only ones capable of leaving wounds in well, how many of you know moms can be crazy too? Men should have said amen to that. All right. Do you know that children, it is possible for your children to hurt their parents as well? Yes. Even the best homes experience pain and experience this wounding. You might grow up in a Christian home, in a very close home, Okay, and you were in a loving home, but you still have plenty of opportunities to hurt each other, even though you grew up in that environment. You can grow up in a loving environment, but every vacation is an opportunity to hurt each other. Every dinner, you know, sometimes you hate each other more coming back from vacation than you did when you left for vacation, right? It happens. You know, you can grow up in a non-Christian home that's a loving home. Non-Christians are capable of loving people too. But every one of us, no matter if you're mom, dad, child, okay, you have the ability to experience hurt and it happens in everybody's life. A lot of times people feel invisible, overlooked, or misunderstood. And that is this, what we've entitled today, the father's wound, but it can come from anybody. Many of us come from broken families. Sometimes we feel distant or absent. You know, you might have grown up in an angry home or you might have grown up in an abusive environment. You know, and I would probably say this, that there's a lot of wounded warriors here today on every side of the spectrum, whether you're father, mother, or child. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today's message. I pray that you speak in me and through me today and that your word speaks so clearly, I pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to show you two different stories from scripture. One of them is the most heartbreaking story ever found in the Bible. It's like watching Old Yeller, okay? It is horrible. How many of you remember that old movie? Okay, if you're too young, it's like watching Guardians 3. I cried for, you know, an hour about a raccoon and his terrible upbringing, Okay, the second story I want to share in scripture is one of the most heartwarming, uh, heartwarming, not warming, heartwarming stories in scripture. The first one is found in the Old Testament, and it's about a warrior named David. This dude is brave. He's one of the bravest men ever mentioned in the Bible. And when he goes out to battle, okay, he is so brave that when he goes out to battle, after one specifically amazing battle, he comes home and the women are lining the streets singing to him, okay? And they're saying, Saul killed thousands of men. David killed tens of thousands of men. Do you know what it takes to get women to sing your praises? 
Okay, maybe, maybe this is hard for you to understand, but this happens to me every week when I go home. Jenna's sitting in the driveway singing songs to me. <laughs> Daryl, you did such an amazing job preaching. That has never happened to me a day in my life. But David eventually finds himself in a battle that he never wants to be a part of. It's not nation versus nation. It's not kingdom versus kingdom. It's father against son. And it's one of the most tragic and terrible stories found in the entire Bible. See, King David's son, Absalom, was one of the most handsome men in all of Scripture. Scripture says that his hair was so lovely and so long, okay, that when they cut it, it was like a national holiday, that people would come and watch, that his hair was so beautiful. And Absalom had a half-brother named Amon, and then he also had a sister, Tamar. And tragically, his half-brother, Amon, raped his own sister. And here's what happens. When King David heard this, he is so furious, but he does nothing. He's furious about what he hears, but he does nothing. And Absalom, his son, is so mad at his father for not defending his own daughter. He is up in arms and it's a wound that starts to divide a father and a son. And his dad doesn't do anything about it and this wound won't heal. And here's what happens. About two years later, they're all at a party together. Absalom and Amon are at a party together. And Amon, the brother who raped his sister, is so drunk that Absalom sends men to go kill him. And so what happens is, as the men do as he say, they murder Absalom. And then David, so furious with Absalom, and Absalom's so scared he runs for his life, and they have no contact for three years. No contact. Father, son, close decision, no contact. You thought you came from a dysfunctional family. This is one of them. Now, if you can imagine, three years goes by, Absalom's allowed to come back to Jerusalem. And what I'd love to tell you is that Absalom comes back and apologizes. And I would love to tell you that David comes back and says, you know, I wish I would have handled that different and, and, and done something different. But that's not what happened. Absalom does not come back and apologize. And David does not come back and apologize. Okay, because generations would have been completely different had they just met on this one point. So here's what happens. Instead, we read in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 24, it says this. Absalom may go to his own house. This is David talking. But he must never come into my presence. So Absalom does not see the king. Tragic. It's heartbreaking. They live in the same city. He's never to see his own father again. No contact ever again. Now, many of you, hopefully without the murder portion, come from dysfunctional families. You come from a divorce. Maybe, you know, you're used to your parents lying or drinking or your dad promised to do something, yet he seldom does. And your parents wanted to be proud of you, but, you know, you were embarrassed by them or they were embarrassed by you and you wanted to connect. You wanted to be close. You wanted their approval. You just never got it. In the story, that's what's so heartbreaking is that David loved his son, yet he never makes up with them. And Absalom loved his father, 
but he continues to get bitter. His bitterness grows until the point where he gathers troops, and that's where we reconnect where I said David fights a battle he never wants to fight. Absalom now is fighting his own father with his own kingdom. He's got his own troops, and he, he lines them up against his father. And David orders his men, be gentle with my son. Be gentle with my son, but his men don't listen. He, he's got a commander named Joab who's, who's like a son to him, who, who feels the wrath and is like, this son should not have done this. See, when Absalom is riding through the thick of the forest running from Joab, remember how we talked about the long flowy hair that he had? He ends up in a thicket and his hair gets caught. And he's hanging there and he's told. The army goes back and tells Joab, the commander, says, hey, Absalom is hanging by his hair. And Absalom orders, or Joab orders, three spears sent into his heart. And here's what King David responds with in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 33. The king was overwhelmed with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And he went, he cried, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. No happy ending, no resolution, no restoration. A wound that never healed, completely tore a family apart. Sometimes the greatest battles a warrior will face or you will face are ne external, they're internal family battles. And I hope that never happens for you. Some of you are like, Pastor Darrell, this is Father's Day. That's a super depressing story. Can we please move on? So I'll give you the second one, the heartwarming, the most heartwarming story in the Bible is found between our heavenly father, God, and Jesus. And we know this happens, okay, because the Bible describes that God is the rock. He's our shield, our hiding place, our shelter. And there are tons of metaphors in the Bible that says God is our warrior. And his son Jesus is loving and kind and full of mercy. And at Jesus' baptism, which is kind of like his ordination, his show into ministry, he's 30 years old at this time. It's one of the few times in the Bible that not only is God speaking, but he's speaking audibly so that everybody around can hear. And this is what happens in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven opened up, and they saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with whom I am well pleased. He's like, Jesus is my man. I got, Jesus, I am so proud of you, and here are three things that every warrior needs to hear the same way you wanted to hear this from your parents, your kids need to hear this from you. I believe in you, I'm proud of you, and I will always love you no matter what. And that's what you're walking, watching take place right here in Scripture. Gee, God is publicly declaring, I got your back. You're my dude, I'm so proud, I'm cheering you on. Whatever it takes, I believe in you, I'm proud of you. No matter what, I will always love you. This is a very visible time of affection and affirmation from God the Father. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> I'm back. <laughs> Moms and dad, 
are equally important for different reasons. Okay? Dads are important. Moms are important. For example, moms are so important. Generally speaking, moms tend to be the most more nurturing ones of things. When, when, when your children get hurt or, you know, in my case, when my kids get hurt, my wife was the first one there, you know, and, and she's got, you know, the Band-Aids and all that stuff. And I'm kind of the one that's like, you know, just dust it off. You'll be fine. You know, I, 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 you know you're, you're going to be all right. And, 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 and the idea is this, that moms, even yesterday, I was in Gatlinburg and we, were, we spent a week with my family. And my mom is, you know, she's tough on the inside, but she's soft on the inside. She has such a hard time. She's like, I love you. She's putting her arms around me. She doesn't want anybody to know she's crying. So she beelines to the car in front of everybody else. Because she's that nurturing one. And young children, especially sons, often need a man to nurture them, to affirm them. Sometimes they need to hear that affirmation from you. And you might not have a father, but you have a father figure who has spoken into your life. And some of you single moms are like, I don't understand. I don't have that. That's why this church exists. That's why I talk about men all the time. You're like, why do we try to reach men? People are always like, especially some women come after me. They're like, yeah, you know what? You're trying to reach, reach men. And I'm like, let me tell you why I'm trying to reach men. It's so the situation you're in never happens again when you teach a man the responsibility of the word of God. You don't have fatherless homes when they know who their heavenly father is. That's why we target men. And that's why every man in this place should be serving. Why? So that you can tell all the children, this building is over 60% designed for kids. Why? So that it's a safe haven for single moms, right? So they can run into godly men who will speak into their life and affirm them and go, you have what it takes. Okay, your dad might not be here, but I'll be here, right? That's what you're here to do. That's our job. We are the church. We are the men of the church. And it's time for us men to start affirming the children of the church. Some of you need to come to first service and pep those people up. You are representing the heavenly father. You're telling them, be strong, be courageous. You have what it takes you know, I have an Uncle Frank, and uh, this story is a little controversial, so don't write me. But in eighth grade, <clears throat> my Uncle Frank uh, taught me how to fight because I came home, and my parents were divorced, and our Uncle Frank lived with us, and, and I got beat up at school pretty bad. And when I came home, I was like, you know, he, he came from enough, a rough upbringing, and he's like, hey, you know, my mom's like, oh, you know, she's cleaning my face and all that stuff, and... Um, He's like, he pulls me aside. He's like, so what happened? So I tell him, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I got beat up and I'm scared to go back. And he's like, here's what you're going to do. Tomorrow, you're going to walk in the hallway. You're going to sneak behind this guy. And you're going to punch him without him looking. And then you're going to grab him by the head, drop to the ground and pound him as many times before he beats you up. I was like, Okay. So I go to school the next day, I pull off the plan, and boom, sucker punch him from behind, grab his head, drop to the ground, boom, I get beat up again. I go home. 
I said, what are we doing? I have no skills. He's like, what are you? You're going to do it again tomorrow. He's like, you're going to do it until he thinks you're crazy. <laughs> then he'll never mess with you again. So for four straight days, I sucker punched this guy, dropped to the ground, beat him in the head, got beat up for it. And the fifth day, he's like, I'm done. He's like, I do not want to fight you anymore. And we have been friends ever since. <laughs> Now, here's what's amazing. It is hard for me to express to you. It is nearly impossible for me to express to you how important that life skill has been to me. Because you're like, that doesn't apply. Absolutely, it does. I don't ever give up. You can fight me, but I don't ever go down. You might beat me up, but I'll show up the next day. I'll sucker punch you, drop down. Eventually, we're going to be friends. Because the life lesson that's taught me is this. I will outdo you every time. And what's got me is this. Some people think you just like, you don't teach those things. You don't teach those things. I needed that affirmation. I was strong enough. I didn't have what it took physically, but I had what it took up here. And that's all I needed somebody to call out. I needed a man to speak into my life and go, you have what it takes to beat the enemy in front of you. So here's the crazy part. It doesn't matter what life throws at me. I'm crazy enough to take it on. I keep going back. You're like, you're a glutton for punishment. No, 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 no. It was spoken over me. I already have what it takes. All I don't have to win. All I got to do is show up. And eventually you're either going to surrender or I'm going to beat you. Either way, I win. We don't just need affirmation. We need affection. God's not just showing up at that moment and telling Jesus, I affirm you. He's giving him the affection we need. And culturally, men don't do this very easily. We're not told to be affectionate or show affection to one another. Have you ever listened to guys talk when they greet each other? How did you get a wife like that? Was she blind? How did you land Jen? I'm like, I don't know. We cut each other down. We, you know, the, the only time you hear men say they love each other is like three o'clock in the morning after they're hammered. I love you, man. We're best friends. But do you know that men not only need affirmation, they need affection? Just because you're void of it doesn't mean you don't need it. And they don't know how to give it because they haven't received it. That's why your role in this church is so important. If you ever see me on a Sunday morning, I will go and I will pick up the children in the nursery. And I just put my arms around them because I don't know how many of them get hugged at home. I don't know how many of them get high fives. Why? Because that's our role. We're healing wounded warriors. Men, women, and children. It's not just fathers who are wounded. It's women who have been wounded. It is children who have been wounded. You know, one of the first people to bless me in my ministry was my dad. 
I was 18 years old and up until that point I had been a scuzz bucket man I was a liar a cheat a thief I was no good and when I told people I wanted to be a pastor my family kind of like laughed at me they're like you can't be a pastor even this past week when they're like you're a pastor I was like yeah it's kind of unfortunate for all these people my dad's like, what do you want to do? I was like, hey, the, the church I just started going to, I had given my life to Jesus six months earlier. I was like, they're going to this thing in Washington, D.C., where 100,000 men are coming together to pray. It's called Stand in the Gap. And Billy Graham's speaking. I was like, Dad, will you go with me? And he's like, sure. My dad wasn't a Christian. He's telling every inappropriate joke the whole way up from Orlando to D.C. The bus loved him. We listened to Billy Graham speak. And at the end, Billy Graham gave an altar call and goes, which one of you needs to accept Jesus into your heart? And my father raised his hand. And then Billy Graham said this, he's like, with, with your boys here, if your sons are here, your first act as a Christian is to bless your sons. My dad didn't know how to pray. He didn't know how to bless somebody. But he put his hands on me and prayed the only prayer he knew how to pray. And it radically transformed my life. I didn't know that six weeks later my dad was going to die. My dad died. I buried him the day before Father's Day. And that day stuck with me until today. And what happens? Every family has a story. It's not perfect. They're not perfect. Your family's not perfect. There are wounds that need to be healed and every warrior needs to model strength. You are strong enough to fight and God is behind you going, not only do I love you, you are strong enough. You have what it takes. Jesus will replace everything that you need in life. He will be the father you never had, but it starts by stopping these generational curses, I will call them, by just going, you know what? I need to forgive you. So it doesn't matter if you need to forgive as a parent, you need to forgive your children. As a dad, you need to forgive your children. As a wife, you need to forgive your husband. As a husband, you need to forgive your wife. As a child, you need to forgive the other way. Whatever way forgiveness needs to run, the best gift you could give yourself this Father's Day, mother, father, son, child, daughter, whatever the case might be, is to submit yourself to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness. And then the first thing you should do is forgive those other and close that warrior wound in your life. We spend so much time battling and we don't know how much time we have left. I have stood by many people on their deathbed. And one of the things that is the hardest is the I wishes. 
I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have forgiven this. I wish I would have done this. Stop wishing. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror, which means you have more than the ability to forgive. You have more than the ability to let go. If you were a bad dad, you had the opportunity to be a good dad still. If you struggle as a mom, you have the ability to be a great mom. If you're a child that is struggling to be a good child, you have the ability to be a good child. Jesus already died to ensure it for you. I want to close with this. A few weeks ago, I was watching one of those trash television shows that I like, American Idol. And uh, I saw a young man sing a song called Monsters. And I want this team just to sing a, a couple minutes of that song to you today. And there's a lyric in there that says, I'm not your son. And you're not my father. We're just two grown men saying goodbye. We need to forgive. We need to forget. I know your mistakes and you know mine. I want you to hear that. Then I'm going to ask you today a very important question. Go ahead, guys. Though before they turn off all the lights, I won't read you your wrongs or your rights. Time is gone. I'll tell you goodnight, close the door. Tell you I love you once more. Time is gone. So here it is. But I'm not your son. You're not my father. Just two grown men saying goodbye. We need to forgive. We need to forget. I know your mistakes and you know mine. And while we're sleeping, try to make you proud. So, Daddy, won't you please close your eyes? Don't be afraid. It's my turn to chase the monsters away. Sleep a lifetime. Yes, and breathe the last word. You can feel my hand on your own. I will be the last one, so I'll leave a light on. Let there be no darkness in your heart. I'm not your son, you're not my father. We're just two grown men saying goodbye. No need to forget, no need to forget. I know your mistakes and you know mine. And while we're sleeping, try to 
time to affirm your children. Give them the affection. But the most important part of all of today is to learn to forgive those who have opened a wound in your life. I don't know who that is. Some of you are like, my loved one has passed on, but that's still a wound that you need to acknowledge. And I'm here to tell you, you're strong enough. You're good enough. Jesus loves you. He's going to carry you the rest of the way. You just need to forgive and close that gap. I love what Bishop T.D. Jake says, when you hold on to your history, you do so at the expense of your destiny. So with every head bowed and nobody looking around, if you'd say, Pastor Gerald, today, I need to forgive somebody. There's some generational things in my life that I'm ready to let go and let God take care of. I'm ready to let my heavenly Father affirm me, give me the affection and wipe away this warrior's wound. If that's you today, will you raise your hand all across this place so I can pray for you? Thank you. Hands are going up everywhere. You can put it right down. If you haven't raised your hand, but you know you need to, I want to pray for you. Will you raise it right now so I can pray for you this morning? Thank you. Thank you. You can put them right down. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person in the sound of my voice that raised their hand. God, I know that you want forgiveness to reign supreme. And I pray as they've even opened their heart right now to forgiveness, that you would affirm them, that you would give them the love, the affection, that they would feel set free and anew and ready to take on the world afresh today because they no longer carry on the wounds of the past. They no longer carry and hold on to the things that hold them down for the greatness set before them. God, we honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can we give a hand to those this morning?